Hello, this is C. Montgomery Burns here on behalf of the Canned Air Podcast to record a custom radio advertisement set to air following the Amos and Andy show. Ah, sir. Amos and Andy have been up there for over 50 years. I see. Well, then what's this Canned Air show even about? Comics and pop culture, sir. Comics, eh? Well, I've read my fair share of Mutt and Jeff. Actually, sir, they focus on more current independent and mainstream topics. On CannedAirPodcast.com, you can watch movie trailers, check out past episodes, and even buy comics, movies, and video games. I see. And where might one find this CannedAirPodcast.com? Ah, on the internet, sir. Very well, Smithers. Take me to this internet. Well, it's not a place, sir. It's on a computer. Now, why is eh? Smithers, release the hounds! Uh, go to CannedAirPodcast.com. Best website ever! You're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Your refusal to listen will be one more reason for me to fire up my death ray and take over the world. (laughs) What kind of park is this? That's nice. Gotta go. Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. As all major theme parks have delays. Think they'll have that on the tour? Welcome to another episode of Candare, a podcast tribute to comic fandom. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today, we have Derek Davis, the creator of Jurassic Time, the memoir of John Parker Hammond. Thanks for being with us, Derek. And thank you for having me. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some more new news on Ghostbusters 3. Imagine that. Uh, the Stan Lee cameo in Guardians that was not meant to be. <laughs> Some exciting news on the Gotham that's going to be coming out pretty quick this fall, right? Yeah, within within a month, I think it is. Okay. And then we are going to uh, talk with Derek about Jurassic Time. But before we do all that, let's get to recaps. Recaps! All right, the first thing we have to mention, and this is uh, old news now, but uh, Joan Rivers has died at 81. I can't say that I was familiar with much of her work. I know she was a well-respected comedian, but Mm -hmm. I I really don't have any point of reference. Either you guys? Just that she was a comedian, and she broke a lot of rules being a woman comedian back in the day. Sure. Back then. Well, she she was, like, banned from The Tonight Show for... Yeah, and I cannot for life me remember what that was about, but she did end (laughs) up coming back on not too long ago. Right. Yeah, I remember her... um... It's really random, but I remember her in Spaceballs. She was the voice of Dot Matrix. Right, right. Holy that. shit, yeah. she was, wasn't she? Yeah, yep. sure was. Well, you can almost <laughs> guarantee what's going on the end of this episode. <laughs> Uh-oh, what have I done? <laughs> oh, no, that's a good thing. I was thinking, what am I going to use? I, I didn't even, yeah, I can totally hear it now. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was uh, Jimmy Fallon that was, I think, I could be wrong on this, but within the last couple of years that finally brought her back to like a late yeah. night talk show for the first time in not god knows how many years but yeah that was it because i remember seeing on uh 
what, Entertainment Tonight because I always end up watching that show. Right. And, yeah, they show the little clip of that. It's it's kind of like you said earlier. The most knowledge I have, and I wouldn't even call it knowledge. I guess the most present form of Joan Rivers I know would be like the uh, fashion yep. faux pas or her, and her daughter. Yeah, yeah. And then there's some show that Brooke watched with like uh, Kelly Osbourne. I'm not sure what that was called. There's a bunch of girls sitting around like The View, just critiquing people's clothes. Mm. Not not my cup of tea. Yeah, but no, same here. Yeah, <laughs> I could care. Yeah, you don't have to know Joan Rivers work really to know that she was a uh, huge inspiration to a lot of comedians today so um, thank you Joan Rivers and uh, rest in peace all right moving on I have a recap on uh, the Shazam movie that you had brought to the table some time ago Mm -hmm. Uh, two or three episodes ago you said that The Rock was uh, being looked at for the movie that and he was teasing about it he wouldn't say exactly what it was but he said that he was going to be in a Marvel movie coming up. And what, what was the teaser he tweeted out? Like, uh, did he actually say Shazam or? No, he said that he could throw down. He has the powers of Superman and just say the word. That's what he said. All right. Well, we we were very afraid that The Rock was going to be playing Shazam. But in fact, he is not. He's going to be playing the alter ego, Black Adam. That has uh, been officially announced. Well, not alter ego. That would oh, be just oh, turned shit. into Black Adam. Oh, okay. Boy, is my face fucking When red. the sun goes down, <laughs> I am Black Adam. Okay, his... What would you call that then? Nemesis. His, his nemesis. But yeah. he's like a he's like an evil twin or something. I mean, not really, much, but he yeah, looks he like a... the same... I don't know shit about word. Shazam. What are you looking at me for? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so... Uh, this is a comic podcast. Well, I'm going to go sit in the corner. <laughs> I'll yeah, take I'll it over you. from here. <laughs> Well, just so long as he's not playing Shazam. So yeah, thank I, God. I think we're good. You had shown me a little piece of like fan art where someone took a picture of him and... Uh, Put him in the suit. Yes, gave him a little yes, bit of yes. pointy ears like he does. Yeah. Yes. Looks so, perfect, I think. It looked pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, not that I know anything about Black Adam, obviously, but... Uh, <laughs> what I do know of him, it looks it looks really good. I was hoping that's what he was going to go not and not be Shazam because that was... Right. Yeah, that had been the wrong way. It'll be a weird addition to all the uh, superhero movies out there. What do you, are you a fan of? All these like the Marvel movies that are out now, there, Derek. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like um, most of the Marvel movies, especially the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy, that was pretty awesome. So, that was awesome. Definitely. I don't think there's anybody that didn't like that movie. I don't. I haven't <laughs> no. found one yet. The ratings prove well. The the money proves it. Biggest, Hell yeah! Biggest movie of the year. I think it didn't we say it had got knocked out of its top spot, but yeah, it's number one of 2014. Yeah, yep. thus far, but I don't think anything's going to come out to no, I don't think trump so. that. But yeah, I even people I thought wouldn't like it were like, yeah, it was really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> all right, better than Turtles, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, how, how was that? I didn't I didn't see that one yet. Uh, uh, man, <laughs> I, I heard. I'm I'm waiting for my second viewing. Yeah, to. Here give a full rounded it wasn't what I expected I, of course I didn't know what I should have expected being a Michael Bay film but um, <laughs> yeah, ups and downs I mean more cons than pros but uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to give it another chance like you said before now that I know what to expect yep. I want to go to it with a more open mind see if I can enjoy on that probably level. have fun just, watching it right yep. it just didn't it seemed very uh, kind of pieced together but the intro the be- very beginning of it was awesome. The uh, intro of the movie was done up to look like the comic book for like a split second and mm-hmm. it like faded into reality. That was pretty neat. But anyway, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's all I had on uh, Shazam, though. Uh, Jack, you had something on Ghostbusters 3. Yeah, I don't know if it's... Still don't know if it's going to be a reboot or if it's going to be just a, a sequel, but Bill Murray has given his blessing for the female roles of the Ghostbusters. His blessing. That what we talked about a couple episodes again. Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd should be given the blessings out on uh, yeah. that franchise, not Bill Murray. He's the one who's kept it from us so many years, yeah, exactly. and now it's too late to have the original people back together. When he was asked about the the reports of an all-female cast in the movie, he's, he gave his blessing and saying, it's a grand idea. I don't know who they're talking about, but it's a good idea. What? Yeah. That's, God. That's what Bill Murray said. And Jesus. he also gave uh, his suggestions on the cast on who the Ghostbusters should be. Oh, really? You have this list? Yep. Um, all of them have worked with the, the director. Is, I can't remember his last I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I think it's Feig. F-E-I-G. It's like Kevin Sounds Feig or something familiar, like that. right. But he did, not the Wedding Crashers, but uh, oh, Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Yeah. But uh, Melissa McCarthy is one of them. Oh, God. <laughs> Tammy. <sighs> Oh shit! I want to see that movie, Tammy, just because the previews I saw were hilarious. Oh hey, hey, this is nothing against Melissa McCarthy. She is very funny, <laughs> and I'm sure that movie's good. It's just I don't want to see her as a Ghostbuster. You're, yeah. you're changing the element. Yeah, you're changing the element totally. Well, the next one, Kristen Wiig. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, those are like two super slaps. Was Amy Poehler on that fucking list too, man? <laughs> uh, Linda Cardell. Her name's hard to say. She was uh, from Freaks and Geeks. Oh, Lindsay the, Weir, the main uh, yes, girl role. Yep. Cardellini. No. Linda Cardellini. She I played. can roll with that. She's, yeah, yeah she's cute. She was <laughs> what, Velma in, uh, in uh, Scooby-Doo. She was the uh, female interest in Grandma's Boy. Oh, that's right, she was. Remember that scene at the yeah, party? I sure do. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess all of them have worked with that director that's going to be doing the, the Ghostbusters movie. And also the last one was Emma Stone. I don't want to see her in a Ghostbuster movie, but I definitely like her. And I definitely watch about anything else she's in. She is, oh, she's adorable. She could be the Winston Zedmore of the rest of them, I think. <laughs> she would just be the, the straight-laced one out of all of them. Emma Stone? Yeah, I think she would. Because she can be funny, but... Like, Take me there. How does that connect to Winston? Because he was the more grounded. He was the just the regular guy. Everyone, they, All the other ones were all scientists and super smart, but he was just a, oh, I can, a normal okay. working man, like so the, she'd just be the regular. The average Joe, the, yep. the very street smart. I see. I can see that. Okay. And Linda Cardellini, she'd probably be the uh, Egon, the smart one. And then the other two are Dan Aykroyd and the Bill Murray's character, Stanson. Yeah. Bankman. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Not that it should be done. But yeah, anyway. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my big problem with it. It's just, why? Why even do it? It's been too long. It's not going to have most of the original cast in it, at least, unless they're like a cameo, right? So yeah, Exactly. Totally uh, God. Why waste your time? I mean, sure, you might get a few like uh, new generation kids who are into it, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, for us Ghostbuster fans that have been you know holding on to a wing and a prayer for <laughs> how many years now, this is just kind of a kick in the balls. We'll see what happens. Yeah, no yeah. dates or nothing. No script I've, that I know of has been written. It's just all ideas being thrown around. Right I now. hope it just is an idea and just goes away. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Uh, this isn't really big news or anything to talk about, but today was the release date for Captain America Winter Soldier on uh, DVD and also the first season of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
came out on DVD and Blu-ray. Did it? Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I've got it all on my DVR, so I'm not buying that shit, but uh, <laughs> I can't believe, you know, they'll probably let it ride on the shelves for a little while, and I imagine probably around Christmas that'll be on Netflix. Actually, I think it's going to be on Netflix here this month. Really? Yep. I had a list of a whole bunch of stuff coming out on Netflix this month. Did you ever check out uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Derek? No, that was one of the ones I didn't have a chance to. I've been waiting for it to come on, um, you know, video to rent, actually. So I'm definitely going to rent it, though, because I've heard a lot of good things. The first so. half of the season, you got to kind of just take the ride. <laughs> yeah, just kind of grit your teeth and bear it. Just be like, ah, okay. Yeah, so, that's how a lot of TV shows are, pretty much, huh? Was it episode two? <laughs> yeah, they are playing one. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was... Oh, yeah, there's some bad episodes in there. But, yeah, the overall thing, it, it gets pretty darn good. So, yeah, hang no, in there. It's not yeah, give it a chance. Why not? <laughs> I don't think it's probably going to be as good as Gotham's going to be. Or, uh, well, I can't say about The Flash. I don't know how that's going to be yet. But um, I'm pumped for that one. Yeah, I am, too. We got a lot of new shows this uh, fall season to set the DVR to. So. Yeah, it wasn't on that list of Netflix stuff that I saw. Balls. It usually comes out just after the DVD release. Yeah, they usually try to collect money on it off mm-hmm. of yeah DVDs for like four to five months. So I imagine right. probably around Christmas after Christmas we'll probably see it on Netflix. Speaking of Captain America, they've got a whole script pretty much written already for the third one. Do they? Yep, I was just reading that today. Now, is this going to have the Winter Soldier in it again? Uh, not a lot of was said about it. They've even got a, a title, Captain America 3 something, but they haven't said what it is yet. But hmm. it's in the works. I hope it's good. They made it, I mean, the way the last one ended, they made it look like uh, Bucky was definitely going to be in the next one. But I could yeah. be wrong about that. Did you see that one, Derek? No, I know I sound horrible for not seeing all of these, but no, I that's one I've also been waiting on. Yeah. Oh wow, you haven't seen it? You were <laughs> no, so I, out of here. Let me hang on really quick. Kick, just kick me out right now. Kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was good. That was the second top grossing, and uh, I understand why. You know, I'm a Spider-Man fan to the end, but my God, I it definitely beat Spider-Man. Yeah. It was really good. It was way better than the first one too. Oh yeah, blew it away. For sure. Yeah, the first one was pretty good for Captain America, but I, I chose to see, you know, Spider-Man 2, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 instead, and yeah, I probably made the wrong choice, didn't I? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I not so. at all. Spider-Man was good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to downplay that movie. That was definitely good, too, but if I'm putting them side by side, I mean, as far as enjoyment level, I came out of Captain America pumped. I was like, I gotta go get some fucking comics! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man was just kind of... That was a good movie. Let's go home. Yeah, Captain America hung in the back of your head for a couple weeks after, just like, oh my god. Well, then, you know, the whole thing that happened in Captain America started playing out in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so the whole story just kept going all Mm -hmm. through last fall and winter, so that was uh, a lot of fun, too. Yeah, that was really good doing that. Go to your local DVD and Blu-ray stores and pick up Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1. That'll do it for Recaps. And with that, we'll go right into the rumor mill. The rumors. Can't get away from the rumor mill. Yeah. The rumors. Jack, you have something on Transformers. Transformers 5 is rumored to not be done by Michael Bay this time. He allegedly stated that he doesn't have the time or the energy to continue with the series. I need probably. to keep working the turtles over. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> probably because he'll be busy doing yeah. the turtle movie. Plus, I guess each movie has done progressively worse. Except for the last one, I guess it did a little bit better. But that's probably because yeah, of Mark. Yeah, I thought the Marky Mark one uh, 
like the opening weekend was like enormous. I thought yeah. it was probably because of Marky Mark in it. That was my draw, Marky Mark over <laughs> yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Hell yeah! Seriously, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not that I saw it. I want to, but yeah. Rumors also say that Shia and Megan Fox may be coming back, but Ugh. who knows? Because Megan Fox may be doing the turtles because she's best friends with Michael Bay again after their little fallout. Oh, they had a fallout, did they? Yeah, there was some after the second movie. Some issue came. I don't know if he tried to date her or something like that. Or uh, yeah, it was some some stupid thing. Well, it's obvious he's got some kind of a. Well, I better not say that. But he's got something for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I remember hearing that Megan Fox was like calling him like Hitler or something was the rumor. And then yeah, I guess it was something like that. Yeah, what? something yeah. crazy. Yeah. Then like, I guess Spielberg heard, you know, he was the producer of uh, the Transformers series. And I guess he made her made, made him fire her is what I heard anyway. So and that's why she wasn't that could in be the false. third movie. Wow, I didn't know any of that. It could be false. Maybe I got my information wrong, but you can look that up. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's a cock block, huh? <laughs> anyway. And Marky Mark says that he's never done a sequel, a sequel, so he probably won't be doing this movie also, even though... Wait, that's like something about, like, I won't do sequels, or like, hey, I've never done a sequel, hell yeah. He stated that, well, I don't do sequels, pretty much. Oh, come on. Yeah. And even though that this movie was technically a sequel because it's Transformers, that he thought that, well, no, this one was kind of, it's a standalone movie in its own right. I, I kind of thought that's what they were, where they were going with it, bringing him in. I, I yeah. didn't know if it was just running in with the rest of them. Do you know if it did? Or I have no idea. No. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I really want to see it. Just, there were just too many movies out this summer. Yeah, yeah. You really yep, had to pick exactly. and choose. I'm not made of money. <laughs> but... Yeah. Anyway. But that's it for Transformers 5. It may end up being good. If we have a... You know, I can't say the other ones were horrible. I, I enjoyed watching them. Uh, it's just uh, so many one. times you're just like, come on. Oh, the second one was... I hated that one. Yeah. Actually, I, I th almost yeah. walked out of the theater on that one. <laughs> the first one, though, and the third one, not bad. It's definitely discrepancies in there, but... I was on the edge of my seat for the third one, watching for the like the last hour. Yeah, it was, was pretty, pretty intense that whole that whole part there. And they cleaned it up a little bit from the first movie with just, you know, like white white static of car parts on the screen, yeah. you know, so you're like, well, who the hell is who here? But um, we'll see. Hopefully it's good. Anything else on that? Nope. That's supposed to be coming out in 2017. Yeah, 2017, I think. 2017. The fifth one. Alright. That'll do it for the rumor mill. The rumors! <laughs> Can't get away from the rumor mill. Yeah. Rumors. All right. Now we are going to uh, jump to the part of the show where we talk about comics, but we have <laughs> we've made a trendy little intro for the segment, so here it is. <laughs> Let's get into talking some comics. Who wants to go first? You or me, Jack? Go ahead, because I gotta I gotta look in line a little bit more to find some names. Okay. Well, this week. Okay, I found it. But go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> this week I picked up the 30th anniversary special of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it was it's a uh, two or three <laughs> centimeters thick. Yeah. Look there. It, it looks kind of like trade paperback, but just a lot thinner. I didn't want to open it because it's so tightly closed, I guess. I know. When I was reading it, I just like had it barely open. <laughs> like, I can't read what you're saying down there in the crack. 
<laughs> but uh, it was only seven ninety nine. I couldn't believe it was so cheap. I mean, you know, a regular book's like four dollars, so I expected something like this to be between twelve fifteen. Mm-hmm. But what it is is um, five different mini stories from all the different reincarnations of the Ninja Turtles comic books over the years. So starting with the original run, Tur- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Adventures that the, uh, Archie did, the Archie comic label did. Yep. Then uh, Image got their hands on the franchise and did some really interesting stuff there that I never knew about. Like uh, they wanted to give the turtles more defining features other than just their weapons and their headband. So they made Donnie like uh, he was wearing this whole big bionic suit. Uh, Pictures of that is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Raphael had lost an eye in battle, so he doesn't even wear a bandana. He just has an eye patch over his eye. Leonardo's actually wearing the red bandana, and he seems to be the only one wearing any bandana now. But uh, just the take on that was kind of interesting. My favorite that I read that I it makes me want to go look for some trades on was the uh, Mirage version. I think Peter Laird got it back or started doing the comic somewhere in the 90s, I think it was. I have to go back and read. But um, the story focuses on after Splinter's death. Like, he has died a peaceful death, and the turtles are all older, and them... Uh, coming into their own by themselves you know i found that very interesting not that this book led up much on that but i really want to dig deeper on that and then it ends with the current idw series which i'm really into it was just a great read from front to back because on top of those stories you know you open the front cover the very first page is the very first uh, picture of the very first turtle ever drawn with a brief story i've seen that one before that's how they get started and then uh, on the next page you see all kinds of like the first the first uh, drawing of the first cover posters like some comic-con flyers here is like come out and check out uh, eastman and laird's new ninja turtles really cool you get a thorough back history before each story they tell you about the run, how long it lasted, and then um, what the main story was throughout that series. So, if you're a Turtles fan, this was a great read. And for $7.99, you can't go wrong. I would strongly recommend picking it up. Especially, you get a whole bunch of stories in there. Yeah, five different stories. Yeah. And the TMNT Adventures, that, that was the very first comic series I ever read. And that was like in 1987 to 19... 19- 93, I think. Taking you back. Oh, yeah. It, it really did, because I had so much fun reading those, and I still have them in my uh, boxes down here. They're, they're beat to hell, but <laughs> I still have them. Yeah, so that was a fun trip down memory lane, for sure. But that's all I got on that. You a Sweet. turtle fan there, Derek? Yeah, I grew up on the turtles. They're pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. The, I, I will say, the comic uh, renditions are way better than anything on TV, so <laughs> yeah, you should check them out. Anyway. Definitely. Moving on. What do you got there, Jackie? I picked up the comic from... It's what? It's Image? Uh, yes, it yep, is Image. There's the eye on there. Uh, called Shudder. I think it's it's been around for a little while, I think. I think they're up to, like, I want to say around issue five. But I picked up the first issue, and I should have picked up at least two. <laughs> Because it didn't give you a lot. It gave you kind of an intro to the main character, and that's really about it. It's about a uh, girl named Kate Christopher that her dad was a world-renowned explorer. And the the whole story takes place way in the future. Oh, okay. It's kind of like an archaeologist, Indiana Jones-type deal. Okay. He'd take her along with her to different planets and stuff, and they'd go to dig sites, find cool stuff. And he ends up, you know, teaching her everything. He ends up passing away. I'm not sure where the shutter part comes in yet because they didn't go too much into that. But she walks around with a camera. 
Oh, well, there you go. There's your shutter. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in the book, she ends up going. It's her birthday. Every year on her birthday, she goes to her dad's grave and talks to him for a little while. And while that happens, all of a sudden, a bunch of, I guess, they're ghost ninjas start attacking her. And then <laughs> I, th- I think that, like, the ground erupts and then this big robot-esque guy comes out and starts, you know, attacking her and calls out something about her siblings. Really? And... To be continued. They don't really give you a lot, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. Wow. I was like, damn it. So I'll probably have, I'll, I'll recap on that one next week when I pick up issue oh, two. Issue two. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll get three if I feel feel the, the urge. The Those cover is pretty cool. The cover of that thing was awesome just in itself. I, when we were over there and you picked it up, I was like, damn, I wish I'd have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty neat so far, even though I'm kind of, I, I didn't get very fulfilled, I guess. I got a little bit let down but it's a nice baited hook let's exactly, say that yeah, exactly <laughs> it'll keep you coming back well it looks cool but yeah stay tuned for next week for my update on shutter all right anything else that's it all righty well, let's move right into real world heroes Jack, who do we have this week? This week is Albert Monero. And what has Albert Monero done to deserve a spot on our War of Justice? He has built the first 3D printed Enable myoelectric prosthetic arm for a six-year-old kid named Alex Pring that runs off of servos and batteries that are articulated by <laughs> electro electromyography muscle energy. So pretty really? much, yeah. It can he sense the, the movement where he wants to go, yep. Wow. But it was built off a 3D printer. Now he's a he went to the, he's a University of Central Florida Aerospace Engineering doctoral student. So he's got a little bit of change up in the brain, I guess. <laughs> Pretty smart. But uh, yeah, him and his team manufactured the arm for less than 350 bucks, and they're going to be uploading the design and instructions on how to build the the child size of the arm and give it to the internet, so anyone that has access to a 3D printer will be able to give their kids an arm. I was going to say, for a oh. second there, you'd have to go buy the 3D printer, which would be outrageous. But yeah, I mean, 3D printing is becoming a much it's, bigger yeah, it's, thing. Yeah, soon it's not going to be hard, I don't think. No, not at all. And that's exciting, too. And Enable is a nonprofit group that has a bunch of, I guess, geniuses that collaborate and put ideas together to help mm-hmm. help people. That's, pretty neat. that's awesome. Think of how many lives that's going to change right there. Yeah. Making yeah. those designs and just putting them up for people. That's awesome. Because someone could really yeah. take you to the cleaner on that. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, just throwing it on the internet for everyone to give. Yeah. I mean, they could be like, yeah, I've, I've got this design. It's a little bit cheaper than the one out there, but you still have to pay me. You know, it sounds like he's just putting it out there for people. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's almost like what Bat- Dark Knight Rises. Bruce Wayne made that clean energy, but he didn't want it to get in the wrong hand, so he kind of hit it. Until it was, it would be safe to give to everybody. <laughs> but this guy kind of—he didn't hide this. He to make money off of it. He gave it to everybody to. to I don't know to make if the world, world can handle 3D printed limbs. <laughs> I'll wait a few years. That's awesome, though. That's amazing. That's going to change a lot of people's lives. Yeah. So for that, Albert Monero, you have found a spot on our wall of justice in the Hall of Heroes. So congratulations, Albert. Good work. Thank you. All right, let's move into some story talk here. What do we have first? We had talked before about we didn't know if there was going to be an Iron Man 4 or not. Yeah. And Tony, or Tony Stark, shit. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. has confirmed that Marvel has no plans for an Iron Man 4. And so he's going to do the next two 
Avengers, Avengers. and then it sounds like that's going to be it for it. It just makes you wonder how far they can take all this stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, every summer we have Marvel movies, but you're going to hit a brick wall somewhere, Somewhere, right? Yeah, fans are going to get tired of it sometime. I, I can, they have to. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a oh, phase. it's another superhero movie. Oh boy! And what the hell are we going to be talking about? <laughs> yeah, we'll be the only ones sitting there seeing. Come on, let's go see it. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, Marvel tends to reboot stuff occasionally, so maybe down the road, maybe we'll get a Iron Man reboot. But uh, I heard some word about that that there apparently there's supposed to be like Age Ultron is supposed to be a darker movie. Really? And one of the Avengers is rumored to die. So because oh, there's snap. no more Iron Man. Iron Man movies coming out that maybe it's going to be Tony. Wow. That'll throw a whole bunch of stuff, especially if they want to do the Civil War for the third one. Oh, yeah, he's an integral part to that. Yeah. Here's a hoping. All right, you had something on Gotham, right? Uh, Yeah, Gotham's going to be going on to Netflix. They did a huge deal with uh, Warner Brothers for $1.75 million per episode to put the show on Netflix after the season airs. Pocket change, right? Yeah. And I guess it's a pretty big deal because usually companies license the rights to shows on a country-by-country basis. But with this deal with Netflix, it's going to be for everybody. Really? Yep. So usually, I guess they kind of pick and choose who's going to get to be able to see what series is. But everyone's going to be able to see it when it comes out after the series is over next year. Well, they damn well better. Why not? You know? Why leave us out? I'm excited. That that show looks so good. Are you excited for that there, Derek? Yeah, that'd be good. That could be cool. Definitely watch that one. You a Batman fan? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I like all the different incarnations of Batman, even the Adam West one. You can't forget oh, him. No, you can't you can't hate Adam No way. West. Yeah. Speaking so. of recordings on your D V R, man, I got a ton of them. Every Sunday morning <laughs> I think it's on Ion. I watch it while I eat breakfast. It's, Is it really? Yeah. I'll have to check see if I have that I have to have that channel. I think it's I'll have to double check that or Bravo or something like that. But um yeah, they play about three or four episodes every Sunday morning. That'd be fun to watch that again. It's it's fun. We just sit there and laugh, man. It's hysterical. <laughs> Aren't they releasing um, all of the, you know, Adam West Batman TV series on Blu-ray and DVD this October? That's what I read somewhere. Yeah, we talked about that we, in like yeah, one of did. our first episodes. I forgot all about yeah. that. We'll have to look <laughs> into that. I'm on the wall. I mean, again, if they're all on my DVR, I won't buy it. But if I should lose them, I might buy it because they're fun to watch. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Seeing Batman pulling on his gloves to tighten them every time, all the time while he's sitting there thinking. It's just pondering. <laughs> so funny uh, how they're always just out and about in public. Like, oh, it's Batman and Robin. Like yeah. local celebrities. <laughs> I forget what the hell we were talking about. What were we? <laughs> no, we were just finished up on about Gotham. Gotham. All righty. All right. I only got one more thing for the stories here. And it's not even really a story. Just something I read over the weekend. Uh about Stanley's cameo that was supposed to be in Guardians of the Galaxy, but then was cut. And I I feel kind of bitter about it because I feel like of all the Stanley cameos, like thinking back to them, you know, it's either just a guy kind of getting pushed to the side or uh, someone getting, like him getting shoved out of the way from falling yeah. debris or something. This was priceless. I thought this idea was fucking priceless, but they cut it. What the original cameo was supposed to be was when uh, Rocket, Groot, and uh, Peter Quill go into the, uh, what was it? The The collectors? Yes. Rocket looks over and sees Cosmos the dog in one display case. Quill looks over to see like a big tentacles like slapping around. Yeah, they showed that, I'm pretty sure. They did. I just, I'm I'm hazy on the details with that one. But then Groot looks over 
and sees Stan Lee sitting in a display box like he's one of the items for sale in there and Stan Lee just looks at him and then flips him off <laughs> oh they should have kept that yeah that's what I thought oh, man that was priceless I, I would have laughed for days what but, did they what was his cameo his cameo wasn't really anything that much in this in, in it though was it was there one yeah he was in it. it it was just something real quick it was pretty much just like he was part of a crowd or something like that, that hey, maybe you're right got pushed out of the way or something i don't even think he you're had a right. line for it but yeah it was just something real quick that you're like well there he is because uh, did he have ladies on his arm maybe or maybe that i'm thinking that was something. iron man when he yeah, was so like he was uh, doing the hugh hefner yeah yeah okay I, I do kind of remember this now that you're saying that. But yeah, James Gunn decided to cut the scene because, one, he said Quill, Quill Peter Quill already flips off the camera earlier in the movie. That was that same scene that was in all the, uh, all the trailers. trailers. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know how this thing worked. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> but then uh, they also felt it kind of pulled people out of the movie. Which I can understand that a little bit, I guess. I mean, you're 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 trying to be sold on, you know, deep space, different reality, and then there's Stanley. You know, it might it would have been a shock, like the deleted scene at there, not the deleted scene, the extra scene at the end. Like all of a sudden, you see Howard the Duck sitting there. It would have been that kind of like, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but it would have been in the middle of the movie, so I'd, I, it probably would have taken away from the rest of the movie yeah it was really good i i'd still want it in there though maybe they'll have a deleted scene or something well here's the thing i don't think they actually filmed it with him when they were putting the movie together they had they had an actor dressed up as him and filmed the scene with that actor and then they were later going to film it with stanley and just cut it in it's like test footage to see if it would work right so i don't think if it was even filmed it's definitely not with stanley but i i saw a picture of the guy sitting there on a stool just right in the center of a case i thought man that would have been fucking hilarious like I kept seeing that on the internet, but I was like, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> well, you should go look at it. Yeah, no, now I should. <laughs> all right. That's all I've got on that, though. You have anything else? Uh, yeah, the pictures of what the Vision's going to look like for Age Ultron oh, have been right. released. And I don't know if it's supposed to be uh, leaked concept or rumored concept art. Maybe someone just drew it and said, hey, this is what it's going to be. Right. Like some people do, but he looks sweet as hell. I don't know. That looks pretty good. And, yeah. and that big, uh, uh, what was it, like that big spread or layout poster that they were giving a piece away a day at the Comic-Con or yeah, yeah. letting up or every so many hours or something. When you see him in the background, it kind of matches that picture you showed me there. I mean, I think that looks accurate with all the watermarks and stuff. Yeah. Over it. There's also a, a new poster that shows him from the front, kind of an action pose. That it oh, looks really? just like it, too. Sweet, yeah. That then it definitely looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I'm expecting in this movie. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to fuck it up. The first one is no. really good. Yeah, I think this one will be even better. Ultron, how the hell can you go wrong? Yep, he's a he's a badass. All right, but that's yeah for stories. I think that's all we got. All right, all right. Now we're going to take the time to talk with Derek Davis about Jurassic Time, the memoir of John Parker Hammond. Now you are the uh, you're the you title yourself the creator, right? Yeah, I title myself the creator because I put together the audio and the website and all the good shenanigans that goes on there. Sure. <laughs> Well, in the uh, in the wake of uh, Richard Attenborough's death, when we had talked about that on the show, you know, I always try to get on YouTube and find a piece of audio to put at the end of our episode, uh, you know, commemorating the person that has passed on. And in doing so, I stumbled upon Jurassic Time. I was pleasantly surprised, man. I was like, how did this get out into the world without me knowing about it? Because I love Jurassic Park and uh, just felt like it was something I should have known about. 
Yeah, it's it's been around for a few years since uh, 2007, actually. So I don't know what your problem is. I don't know why I didn't find it. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm looking for entertainment in all the wrong places, I guess. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. Nah, so but... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say that, yeah, the, the first version anyway came out in 2007. There's like uh, wow. three of them now, but I mean, there's only, I only consider one as like the go-to version. I'm kind of like George Lucas now where I'm like, no, my older Star Wars, you can't watch those anymore. You can only watch my special editions. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> so for the listeners who don't uh, know exactly what Jurassic Time is, can you uh, describe that for them? Of course. Well, um, I guess the best way to first describe it is that it came from a game actually called Trespasser, which is a very infamous game from 1998. It was a first-person PC shooter, and you played as Anne, who crash lands on Isla Sorna, the second island from the second film, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. And yeah, you crash land there, and you basically just have to try to get off the island pretty simple story but throughout the um your stay on the island you'll hear little sound bites of john hammond um from his memoir and he gets to describe like the history of the island history of Jurassic park and even a bit of his own personal life which you know some of it's kind of hinted at in the movies and even in the book but not to the level that was done here So it's definitely a very unique story to the game. And somehow they got Richard Attenborough to, you know, reprise his role as John Hammond, which, you know, gave it that kind of authentic, you know, vibe. Like it should have that JP stamp on it because we got (laughs) Richard Attenborough. That's why I was surprised it got under my radar because it was Richard Attenborough. I was like, well, how did I miss this? I mean, you know, I I thought if it was like some kind of B-rate thing, okay, but this is Richard fucking Attenborough, you know? (laughs) No, that's that's exactly the reason why I made it, really, because, you know, this game is so old now and it it did so poorly because of the the physics engine was really (laughs) they tried so much but they they just didn't quite get it they didn't have enough time it got rushed in the end because of a deadline you know how that goes sure many many things i got on youtube and checked out some videos of actual gameplay and there were some very choppy moments in there where you see like the (laughs) t-rex like trying to attack you but he's like sidestepping in at you (laughs) and um yeah you you can you can totally get the big scape of what they were trying to do here if they brought that out now though with all the updated graphics and everything that would be out of this world yeah it would i would definitely play it in a heartbeat I have played some yeah, games that the way it looked and the way it played, it was a real pain. Sure. But toughing it out and getting through the end, it was it was fun. Yeah. So this might have been like that. It just might have been you know, kind of piss you off moments sometime. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I played the whole thing, and yeah, it can definitely piss you off, especially when you know the bugs occur because you know there's so many bugs in that game yeah. no matter how good your computer is like uh i don't know if you've seen the footage of like the the player character and actually interacting but you use your mouse to ex- literally extend your arm out into the world and and pick up things and oh, wow. try to crouch and grab things and the best part is you guys are gonna you guys apply like this um the way you check your health is you look down and you see your breasts because you're a woman in this game. And if you get hurt, you have a little heart tattoo. 
And yeah, if you get hurt, it'll turn red. And if you die, the tattoo looks all squished. But basically, you check your health by looking at your breasts. What? And then they're pretty big. So. Wow. <laughs> what if you could do that in real life? You're yeah. looking a little flush, sweetheart. Open up your shirt. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So yeah. I, were you at the time, I mean, were you, were you a big fan of this game? or? Yeah, well, because, I, I mean, I've been a big Jurassic Park fan since I can pretty much remember. I mean, I... Sure. I saw the first movie when it came out in theaters, in the mm-hmm. drive-in, actually, when I was, I think, six years old. And yeah, I was I was a big fan, even though how, you know, complicated the game was because of all the bugs and everything, you know, I still trudged through it to the bitter end right, <laughs> and made sure. sure I completed it. But I mean, there's actually a really cool fan site for it that's been around, I oh got forever, called uh, Trescom. And uh, that's at trescom.org. They, uh, they've been trying to modify the game engine and they're trying to like improve upon it. And actually there's some mysterious new forum user who just came up with a new patch that makes the game look incredible on modern computers and work a lot better. So there's definitely a lot of modifications to this game. Very, you know, very small group, but they're very dedicated and yeah, they're pretty awesome bunch. And yeah, there's even someone that's trying to use the crisis engine, I believe, to do like a remake of the game. So yeah, there's all that's going on. So it still has its fans for sure. I'm really surprised there haven't been any Jurassic Park games for a while. I mean, with, you know, the technology the way it is now, it seems like it would be a a natural move. You know, I'd love to see a game kind of like laid out like Grand Theft Auto. You know, you have that whole island. You can go wherever you want. You just have to do your research, learn where things are nesting, learn where the buildings are, where you Mm got to, you know, that would be a blast because it would take forever to do. But that's, you know, listen for your box to start buzzing because then you're in deep shit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's getting close. Yeah. Yeah. There was some there was a game, I think, a a couple years ago from Telltale Games. They did their own. Jurassic Park game, but it was kind of like a, a point-and-click type adventure, but more of an interactive movie than a real game. A lot of people didn't yeah. like it. I saw that. I almost downloaded it, too, but I decided not to for that very reason, just because it looks like it just says, click here. You click it, and the story goes on. It's like, oh, well, that's yeah. not very challenging. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was good for, you know, what it was, an interactive movie, but yeah, for an actual interactive game where you really can immerse yourself like you know trespasser you actually do get pretty immersed in its outdoor environments especially even for even compared to games today but but yeah that game i i liked it personally for its story and just being a Jurassic park fan but otherwise yeah i can see why people don't like it i mean at what point i don't know was it like when you were playing this game was it after like years after playing this game where you're like you know what this audio has to be saved i mean what point did you realize i've got to do this uh yeah that was that was quite a few years after um you know i played the game and been part of that you know trustcom community and yeah i was honestly i was waiting for someone else to do it because i didn't think i really had the technical prowess at the time to really you know tackle it on my own but i didn't really see anyone else attempting it which i thought was really surprising because i thought it was a natural kind of idea for someone to try to do that at some point exactly but yeah so i just decided to take it upon myself and you know we have the tools there to extract audio and everything anything else we want to from the game so i did that and the thing is <laughs> the ch- this is the challenging part like it's all scrambled even in the game 
it doesn't really play in any real order. It's all just based on locations, and you just go there, and you'll oh, hear. Really? Oh yeah, there's there's no storytelling order at all. So all that was me trying to figure it out. Like, what's the best order to put this? You know, these lines of dialogue in, which is over 160 sets or something like that. So it was kind of like a big jigsaw puzzle. I played around with it. Good God! And we just our hats kind of <laughs> flew off our heads. Like, holy shit! Wow. Yeah. That that part took time, and each version it's changed you know, a little bit where I kind of changed some things around because I thought, you know, that actually goes better there. So, yeah, each version is slightly different in the order, especially the last one. I did some what I thought were good changes, hopefully. But um, Oh, definitely good. I mean, because like I told you before, the, my first listen was one of the very old ones. I think it was only 30 minutes long. And uh, the other day in preparation, I listened to the newest one. And I think it was like 70 minutes long. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because there were a lot of things I missed that I would have, you know, that helped to bring the story full circle. But now you also introduced uh, the character of Thomas Hammond being John's son to like kind of fill in some holes. I mean, where did the inspiration for this character come from? How did you uh, what, what made you think to do that? Ah, uh, well, yeah, that that's an interesting question because that happened after I contacted Austin uh, Grossman, who um, I, I don't think I mentioned before, he actually wrote the game, and he's been involved in plenty of other games, and he's even written a few novels, including uh, the superhero supervillain novel, um, Soon I Will Be Invincible. Um, right. So yeah, he, he wrote all those things, and so anyway, I contacted him, and I showed him the first version of Jurassic Time, and he, he was blown away because he thought he was never going to hear these recordings again. So he was really he was really touched, I guess, that I had done this. So I've stayed in contact with him since then to this very day. And uh, I think like a year ago or so, he sent me the actual script to the game. He found it and he scanned each page for me to have of the John Hammond script that Richard Attenborough actually had in his possession. It even has handwritten notes on it and everything. So from Richard Attenborough. Yeah, from from him and Richard Attenborough, he kind of they both kind of wrote on it. So, yeah, I bet he definitely loves having that artifact, especially now of his unfortunate passing. You did an interview with this gentleman, right? Yeah, just uh, very recently, and I just put it on the Jurassic Time site, and yeah, the, we've been planning to do that for a while too, and then finally had time he actually just wrote another book. That's why he was kind of held up, and he he knocked it out of the park. I asked more questions than I probably should have, <laughs> but I really... Oh, no. The, the questions you asked were awesome, and there was a few of them. I was like, man, I would have never thought to ask that, but um, just the overall, after reading it, I thought, wow, you know, to actually get to go to a recording studio and sit there with Richard Attenborough recording these things had to be one of those moments in life where you're like, man, this is almost surreal. And then to have all that work you did just kind of fall away with this game that didn't get much respect. Then to have someone come and resurrect the audio, to pull it back out and give it new life. That's awesome. And I think that's what just spoke to me and what made me even send you the email on this. Because I'm a Jurassic Park fan and I just thought, whoever would have thought to do this? Great idea. <laughs> Thank you. I know after listening to it, I want to, because I've only really seen the first movie. And I liked it. it oh, was really? Good. You haven't seen The Lost World? No. Really? Yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> Get the hell oh. out. Jack. I, I heard it wasn't that great, so I was just like, eh. 
It's just... underrated. I mean, it's not better than the first one by any oh, means. Oh, no. God, but no. no. <laughs> but well, it's, I'm gonna it's a good movie. Busy this weekend watching movies, then. The first <laughs> one is still by far the best. I, I watched it uh, a couple weeks ago after I first got in touch with you, Derek, and uh, just because it made, I just wanted to watch it again, and it was fantastic. The graphics are amazing. Listening to it makes me want to watch it again just because the the whole technology aspect of it how it could it could happen yeah the concept of uh bringing the dinosaurs back the way they did with the mosquitoes and stuck in the amber is not entirely far-fetched you mm-hmm. know a- after i first saw the movie i was like so are, are they out there actually doing this are they digging the <laughs> mosquitoes up if they're not they should be you know and just hearing the story how it all came about was uh, i was really starting to right want to watch it again because i was like man the first thing that came to my mind after listening to Jurassic Time for the first time was like, this needs to be a movie. Now, it'd be yeah. hard to market it under Jurassic Park because when people see that, they want to see dinosaurs chasing and killing people. But mm-hmm. to see a prequel to the first one, to see how he, you know, got his start, where the idea came from and right. building up to that first uh, that first raptor that they had. Mm-hmm. Man, what a good movie that would be. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I thought about that as being, like, a possible story for the fourth uh, Jurassic Park film, and I thought, oh, maybe they could do, like, the prequel story, maybe have, like, a minor breakout, where, like, one got out, they had to track it down, and maybe it killed a couple people, but, you know, they kind of kept it under wraps, and then, yeah, you know, the story idea. continues to have some conflict. It would totally happen. You would have to happen. Yeah. yeah. Why don't the three of us get a Kickstarter going? We'll film this <laughs> shit by ourselves. <laughs> no, I, I'm super excited for the new Jurassic Park film, Jurassic World, actually. Oh, yes. Definitely. We talked about that a little bit last week on yep. the episode. And um, again, finding Jurassic Time has just opened up the uh, Jurassic Park box for me. I've been finding all <laughs> kinds of new things, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. But yes, I've, I've seen concept art, not so much story, but seeing who's going to be in it and knowing that filming is done and that it has a release date. Oh, that's right, yeah, because we did say that it was it, they they wrapped up the filming. So August fifth, yeah. it finished. Yep. So I yeah. couldn't be more excited. I just hope it's done well. I didn't. I think it will be. Did you guys see um, the the director's previous film, Safety Not Guaranteed? No. Oh man, you got to! It's his only film he's done. It's on Netflix streaming actually, and I really recommend it. I actually liked it even before I knew he was attached to Jurassic World. So no bias. No bias. <laughs> Whatever, Derek. We know yeah, why you're liking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that title sounds familiar. What's yeah, it that? was. It was a pretty big. Um, well, not a pretty big movie, but for you know indie film, they got a lot of notice um, when it came out a couple of couple of years ago. Anybody in it? Um, Aubrey Plaza. And uh, Jake Johnson from New Girl, who's also in Jurassic World. I don't know if you know those shows or anything, but uh, I yeah. no, I'm not familiar. with I know that. who Jake Johnson is because he's in those dark commercials with uh, the black guy from The Office. Oh yes, that's Jake Johnson. Those are funny commercials. Now you can't touch my dark Jake Johnson. <laughs> when he comes through on the Bluetooth thing, he's like, you know, I'm talking to you on your speaker, so technically my I'm in your car. Get out of my car. <laughs> yeah. Priceless. He's hilarious. Now I'm sure, being the uh, Jurassic Park fan you are, you did see what the original idea was for the fourth installment. Oh yeah, I've been keeping up with this since day one, of course. And yeah, the whole mutated dinosaur thing, which has hasn't gone completely away if you've actually read into it. But it, 
don't worry. It's from what I know, it's not how they were gonna do it, which was could be really whoa, whoa, weird. whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, it could be whoa. like a doctor, <laughs> doctor Moreau type thing. No, no, not exactly. Well, I mean, that's yeah, that's the you know Monroe idea. That was like their original idea. It was gonna be because I've actually read the John Salis script um, for the previous version of Jurassic Four that they were gonna do before they rightfully pulled the plug. And it, I think at, at the end it took place like at a medieval castle in the Alps, and they had like genetically mutated dinosaurs with guns. It was it was really oh my god. It, it was I mean it was a cool Dino Riders movie, but not uh, a cool that's Jurassic what I was Park. Of. That's exactly what I was thinking of, Dino Riders. <laughs> no. So you're saying that the elements of this original concept are going to be in Jurassic World? No, the only thing that's similar, and, you know, this is all, you know, mostly just kind of rumors, but this one's a pretty strong one. There's um, going to be one dinosaur um, in this new park that is like a genetic mutation of a T-Rex with a snake Um I, I think a velociraptor and a cuttlefish, and a cuttlefish has camouflage capabilities, kind of like um, it's like an octopus. Yeah, like octopus or chameleon, and yeah, they right. actually yeah. blend into their environment. Yeah, and the reason why, from what I know, that they're making this mutate dinosaur is, you know, the park's been around for a few years. It's had you know thousands of guests every day. And I guess people are kind of getting tired of it. One of the um, images that the director mentioned is of a girl on her cell phone with her back against like a T-Rex enclosure with a T-Rex like right behind her. And she's just like, you know, in a daze, not even caring, texting her friends. So the idea behind it is the company is trying to make a new attraction, this dinosaur that's going to, you know, terrify people and they'll all want to go see it. You know, something dangerous and crazy. But as we all know, something's probably going to go wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's how we work, and that's usually what happens in the end. <laughs> well, okay. I, I feel a lot better now. You had me up at attention in my chair. Like, what the hell do you mean there's not stuff? <laughs> no, as long as we're not I, talking or toting guns, we're good. No, hell no. People got worried about that at first because, yeah, that rumor came out without any, you know, any kind of backstory. Yeah, that's exactly how people felt, including me, a little bit kind of nervous. But then the director himself actually did an interview and he kind of went into some details about it to, you know, put a handle on the rumor control. But, uh, but yeah, so I think it's I think it's a cool idea, especially in the Lost World book by Michael Crichton. There was a scene near the end with the Carnotaurus, which is kind of like a T-Rex, but with these big horns on his head. And it's actually the dinosaur from the Disney movie Dinosaur that killed everything. Um, but oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. It had kind of like uh, like bull horns almost. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, okay. It's a really cool looking dinosaur. But anyway, in, in the novel, it had a camouflage capability. And it was just a really cool scene because, like, it's really dark and they can't really see it, but just barely. And, you know, just suddenly starts to move and go after them. It's just a really creepy idea. So the fact that they're bringing that idea in some form, at least, back in this movie, it's something a lot of fans have wanted to see, actually, of the novels. Sure, sure. And I can see that being a more interesting element. I mean, yeah. they're already great hunters. Now they can camouflage themselves. I mean, it's like going up against a pack of predators, like uh, Predator the Alien. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. So uh, going back a little bit to Jurassic Time here, and uh, you had someone play Thomas Hammond. I mean, can you tell us about how that came to be and some of the other people involved in this project? 
Yeah, Thomas Hammond, once I got the script from Austin Grossman, I started reading it and I noticed that, uh, God, it must have been more than half the script was never recorded and it was marked that way. And in the interview that I have with him, he kind of explains, you know, why that came to be. They only had two days to record with, with Richard Attenborough. Right. So he selected in advance, you know, the most important lines of dialogue. And if they had time, they would go back and do more. But they didn't really have much time except for a couple of lines of dialogue, including a really awesome reading of the poem Ozymandias, um, which is in Jurassic time and like near the end. But uh, yeah, so there was just so much more to the story that was never even recorded. And while it was cool to have it in script form, I really wanted some of it in the Jurassic Time audio story somehow. And I had I had a few different ideas at first. Like I was thinking of maybe having it be like the son of a certain character that's mentioned in Jurassic Time, kind of like trying to go through the files to find out what happened to his father because he died on the island. And it just didn't really appeal to me. It didn't really feel very Jurassic-y enough. It just felt like some random, you know, campy thing right so one of the fans of Jurassic Time uh, Jack Ewens he came across it and we started talking and he just happened to start talking to me right when he had given the script to me so once that happened he had this idea of creating the Thomas Hammond character instead because you know some people thought oh just do like you know get an old guy, an old British guy to do a John Hammond impression and just do that. And <laughs> I just thought, hell no, that's just disrespectful to his performance. Like yeah. that's just, uh, no one would like that. So when he came up with the idea of Hammond's like the strange son digging through his father's notes and kind of looking back on everything, you know, as he's reading them, you know, I thought that was actually a really good idea. So we collaborated with that. And, you know, a lot of it is word per word from the original script by Austin Grossman. But, you know, he added in his own little, you know, character to it, an introduction with the character. And there's a couple pieces that I wrote to near the end with his character. But, yeah, it, it mostly just takes, you know, the material from the script that I really wanted to be told, including more about this Velociraptor that had broken out and they kind of try to go after it and Mul Robert Muldoon, the game warden, is involved and this really good stuff. Yeah, definitely. I, I, uh, there was a few lines in there. I don't remember exactly. Something about Robert Muldoon's perfect eye when he was shooting out, shooting uh, raptors or something. That was a great line. And then uh, after the first raptor being created, they said something about... Uh, and I, you mentioned this in your uh, interview, too, about he was the, like, the sole ruler of the world and didn't even know it. You know what I'm talking about? I probably butchered that. Oh, no, no. I know what you're talking about. Like... Like the, the the raptor was like the sovereign ruler of this world, and he kind of like he didn't give a damn about the human race. Like he really just, you know, that that's, this was his world, and he's a he's a velociraptor. He can do what he wants. Very cool. <laughs> okay, so there are two versions of Jurassic Time available. There's uh, annotated the audio version, and then uh, excavated the PDF book version. So what what can you tell listeners about what they can uh, expect in that version? Yeah, the excavated PDF book was definitely a lot of fun to put together. I took a lot of pictures from the game using the uh, Trust Ed uh, 
game editor and I would just kind of fly throughout the levels and just kind of take like appropriate pictures and then I would you know sometimes I would modify the game a bit too to kind of like resemble more of what he was talking about in you know the younger days of Isla Sorna basically right. and you know, I would age the photographs, look kind of like sepia tinted and look like they're kind of taped onto like a scrapbook of sorts. And sure. yeah, I mean, but basically, though, the reason why I came up with that was to have a really cool way of presenting the entire story. That includes all the unrecorded dialogue from the original script. It's it's all in there. And the script, believe it or not, the script was also like mostly all out of order. The way he wrote the script was designed in blocks of like the kind of tone that Richard Attenborough would record the dialogue like if it was kind of like you know telling a story or acting depressed or kind of like a jovial happy mood you know just based on the emotion he would just kind of put them all together probably just to make it easier for Attenborough to do his performance so right so that was also a challenge to you know you know, jigsaw it all <laughs> together in a way that, you know, just kind of made more sense. It wasn't, because this is all out of order. And actually, my site actually has the original script available for download too. You can download both of those. Oh, I didn't so, realize that. I didn't see that, yeah. Yeah, there's a little resources section that has quite a few items, including the interview and uh, the script and everything. So it's all there. Very cool. <laughs> and uh, what, is, what is your website for the listeners? Uh, the website is jurassictime.trescom.org. Very nice. And <clears throat> one thing we haven't mentioned to uh, the people listening, and this, and this is amazing, both of these things are free, free to download on the website. You have all my hours and hours of work just for nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. We're all, right there with you. <laughs> hey, man, you, you can't say it was for nothing. You have, you have ex- brought this awesome audio back from the grave giving it new life and you know with with the upcoming jurassic world uh release you know you might be able to even push that onto some more people yeah it's it's definitely gotten me notice i mean there's even been a few other jurassic park sites that you know have talked to me about it and talked about other things i even i even know some insider things on jurassic world i can't talk about oh, <laughs> oh is that right yeah rub it in rub it in i know <laughs> oh shit well we're gonna have to work on this guy a little bit here i know i'm, I'm, I'm not in the movie though or anything unfortunately that, that would be <laughs> not well i guess i, I, I was gonna say yet. not yet yeah, but, but uh that i'm filming nah. so yeah you're not in the movie Derek. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> it's an opportunity. I thought I was more famous than that. I guess not. <laughs> no, nah, but I mean, really, the most gratifying thing, though, was, you know, getting in contact with Austin Grossman and him actually being happy with what I had done. That was like the ultimate pleasure right there that I, I did it in the way that he approved of. And I even I even asked him, do you want me to do a version without music or sound effects and just have it be just his dialogue because there's some people that want that and he said oh no 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 you got to keep it just the way it is don't mm-hmm. yeah. don't do that for anybody so i'm was actually really happy he said that that he liked it so much the kind of way it was yeah but absolutely I, it needs I, the music I, yeah yeah i could like i don't think i could do it without it yeah it was my way of setting up a flow to it and kind of making it sound more dramatic i guess yeah, and then, you know, the pauses between each little segment helps a lot, too. You get a little bit of uh, music to tide you over. I don't know. It, it, the music carries the Jurassic Park uh, yeah. 
feel to it. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it helps immerse you into that world even more. Yeah, the music was done for the game by Bill Brown, who's done uh, a good number of games, not so much anymore. Um, I think his, I'm probably going to shoot myself if I get this wrong, but his, I think his most recent contributions to music was for CSI New York or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's done some TV work too, and he's done a few movies. And yeah, he just really did a good job. Even um, Spielberg apparently heard the music and thought it was awesome. So, I mean, that's that's really praise right there. Yeah, praise from Caesar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the additional music in the annotated version was actually my own themes that my friend Bernard Kyer, he did some arrangements with the piano for me and that's those are my themes basically playing over the Thomas Hammond character tracks. Oh so, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Alright man, well that's awesome. You sound like you uh, keep yourself pretty darn busy then, don't you? Oh definitely, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you have any other uh, projects on the horizon? Well, I do have this novel that I've been writing for the past year called Retcon Ride. And it's something that's been in the works for, God, like probably a decade now. Just something that's been in my head. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've been meaning to tell the story for a while. Well, any any great project like that usually takes time. The time uh, usually is worth it. Can you tell us anything about it without uh, spoiling it or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's basically about these two uh, video store workers. And you're like, well, what the hell is a video store? Those (laughs) those aren't around anymore. (laughs) I remember a day when you could go to the store and buy a movie. (laughs) Well, I used to work at one, actually. I used to work at Hollywood Video, so I'm kind of writing from some experience here. <laughs> I, I worked for uh, Sam Goody, man. I think we probably worked for the same uh, same company. Uh, the same jerks, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed, actually. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's about two video store workers who don't really get along, of course, and you know they accidentally get involved in a scenario that sends them unwittingly to other dimensions of their own hometown. And along the way, the main character sees an alternate version of someone that he really likes. And, you know, in the original dimension, they, you know, they, they don't really have that kind of attraction. But in this one, they do. So it's kind of like when you fall in love with someone and they don't really love you back. And now you have the chance to actually let that happen. Right. So that's hmm. that's kind of part of the story, but it's all wrapped around this big crazy action adventure scenario where it's just like one crazy thing after the next. Very Indiana Jones like in its kind of structure of just continuous cliffhanger serial action. And it gets pretty serious near the end, but it's a pretty crazy story. But that's the kind I like to see very 80s, 90s-esque in its style oh, and yeah, humor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even so. though some of those things weren't represented well in those time periods, you know, if you can look <laughs> past that into the story, there were some fantastic stories. I, I just love the 90s, man. They were great. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <clears throat> It's great to, one, hear Jurassic Time, but then to talk to you and actually hear about how it came together. It makes it even that much more enjoyable. So uh, we want to thank you for being on the show with us. And we're going to put up uh, links to the website and everything on our website to help uh, direct some people your way. That sounds awesome. Well, thank, thank you guys for having me. It's been really a lot of fun. Yeah, it has, <laughs> it has been fun, yeah. 
And uh, we'll have to have you back on here sometime. We now know an official Jurassic Park expert. Yes. That's right. <laughs> so when we get Jurassic World a little bit closer, we'll definitely have you back on. It'll pick your brain a little bit. Oh, that'll be lots of fun. Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, you can go to our website and check out Derek Davis's uh, Jurassic Time, the memoir of John Parker Hammond, and we will uh, direct you over to his website. Jack, what else do we have on there? Oh, show recaps, photos, trailers, the Candare video game comic book and movie store nice. always trip up on those three things <laughs> always all right and you can also find us on twitter at candare pod get on there send us some messages uh say whatever the hell you want to us we'll uh, we'll probably write you back something you want to hear on the show something you don't want to hear on the show let us know you can also leave us some reviews on itunes we always appreciate that uh anything else jack that's a boot it that's a boot it all right well until next time i am jeremy carley i'm jack doherty and i'm Derek davis and we'll see you next time peace Prince Dalium is a pill. But you could have married him for your father's sake and then had a headache for the next 25 years. Will you turn that thing off? What? What is it? I was saying, do you realize what you've done? Yes. And I'm glad. Glad, 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 glad. I wonder if she's glad. Man, that was another great episode of Canned Air, huh, sure Timmy? Was. Let's go outside. Alright. Hey, kids. Oh my god, who's that? It's Creeper, the worst G.I. Joe character ever made. That's right. I heard you guys were gonna go outside. Why don't you stay inside and go to www.cannedairpodcast.com where you can get the scoop on past episodes, see movie trailers, and go to the Candair game store, video store, and comic book store. Yay! With cannedairpodcast.com, we'll never have to go outside again. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.